in this uh, mini series which is Christ centered we start with the cross of Jesus the name of Jesus and the next today that is the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus the cross of Jesus the name of Jesus the blood of Jesus because you see I, I consider these things to be uh, fundamentals essential truth and we need to be very very clear on those things remember Paul mentioned another Jesus we say that and Christ himself said that many will come in my name and say we are Christ etc um, the same is true for the blood of Jesus it is true as well we bless the Lord for that Heavenly Father, we bless you and commit this time unto your holy hand. We thank you for your good spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The blood of Jesus. This is the third part in this mini-series, which is Christ-centered. Because we need to know Christ, the crucified, and the power of his resurrection. Very important. In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, we read... For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. You see, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So is life for life. Is the soul that sins which will perish. That's the whole point of the book of Levit Levit Leviticus. Atonement. In other words, the soul that sins will die. Unless another life takes its place as a substitute. The soul that sins will die. Unless there is a substitute. That's the whole teaching in the book of Leviticus as I said. Now, there are many types, shadows, and pointers to the necessity of Christ's sacrificial death. I said previously that there are many types and shadows and pointers to the death of Christ. Now I'm saying there are many types and shadows and pointers to the necessity of that happening. There are two different things. To the necessity of that happening. The necessity of Christ's sacrificial death for the redemption of our souls because the wages of sin is death. Well, we might minimize things. I remember there was a lady who used to say, uh, I don't really see what sin I do apart from smacking children from time to time. You see, because she is uh, her own benchmark. You see, when you, when you look like that yourself, you feel I'm doing pretty well compared to that one. When you look at your window in night time, they all look clean in dark. But when the sun 
shines on it. You say, oh, stain. I need to do something about this. It's the sun that reveals. Christ is called the sun of righteousness. When he shines, you begin to see the sinful. The desperation of your condition. If you dwell in darkness, you will think I'm doing pretty well. Because you have your own... um, checklist and you're comparing yourself with other drunkards and drug addicts etc if you don't do that I'm doing pretty well in in America about 75 people think they are good enough to go to heaven in America I don't know about Britain have you heard of something called cultural Christianity I've heard nominal but not cultural cultural was a new concept to me cultural Christianity, which will actually form the basis and the ground for the Antichrist religion. The wages of sin is death, says Romans chapter 3 verse 23. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 21, God made a tonic, tonics, Tunic or tonics? Tunic, thank you. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Tunic, tonic, tunic. Okay, thank you. You know what I mean. Of skin to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. After they had sin. This speaks of the first animal sacrifice to atone for sin. God himself did it and found a skin and made a cloth for them because they were naked. But they were still naked before sinning. It wasn't a problem. You see, sin corrupts everything. Marriage is a good thing, but sin can corrupt it. Eating is a good thing, but sin can corrupt it. Sleeping is a great thing, but laziness is not good. Resting is good, but not working is a sin. Sin corrupts everything, everything. That's number one. Number two. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 4 we have Abel who offered the firstborn of his flock to the Lord and that was pleasing to God. Again, the idea of sacrifice. Thirdly, Abraham offered Isaac his son, his only son, and when the son asked him, what, where is the lamb for sacrifice? It's on the mountain. God will provide. We are being told that the same place, around the same place, Christ was crucified. God had provided. Then, 
we'll have quite a few scriptures here, maybe four of them, and the first one will be in Exodus 12. Remember, we're talking about the blood of Jesus. Then in Exodus chapter 12, the Lord commanded every Israelite to kill a lamb and to apply the blood on the door frame to be spared from the death that would kill every firstborn in Egypt. And that was just before the next plague, which will kill every firstborn in Egypt. The Lord gave instruction about what we know to be the Passover lamb. Instructions were given as to how they will eat it and the reason for it. And that will be a perpetual law, an ordinance. Again, that Passover lamb points to Jesus Christ, who is our Passover lamb. You see, when John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ passing, he said, Behold the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus Christ is referred to as our Passover lamb. You see, again, everything was pointing to Jesus Christ. That's the reason why in Luke 24, when the Lord was speaking to the two disciples on the road to a village called Emmaus, the Bible says, starting from Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them things concerning him. All the prophets were speaking about Jesus Christ. He is the center. Is the center, the author, the beginning, the end, the author, and the consummation and the finisher of our faith. And the author of an eternal salvation. Okay. Let's do our first reading. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 to 14. That Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 to 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of month. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Verse 4. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the, of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your, your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Six. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. 
then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Seven. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on the night, roasting fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Verse 9. Do not eat it raw, nor boil at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its leg and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Verse 11. And thus you shall eat it. With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hands. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and we strike all firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you, on you to destroy you, when I strike the land of Egypt. Verse 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generation. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Amen. So, Exodus 12, verse 3 to 5. The lamb had to be without blemish, a male of the first year. Let's go back a second. This was a perpetual memorial, a permanent ordinance from God. Question. What is the people in this world that keep and celebrate Passover? I want to hear you. Pardon? Yes. Oh, that's good to know. Do you remember that passage? To them belongs the covenant, the service to God, and everything. Do you remember that? Okay. The church has replaced Israel. Perpetual ordinance. To them belongs the covenant. They do it today. They do it. Following those ordinances. Keeping the word of God alive. You can look at Jesus Christ. The fulfillment. Who was crucified around the same time of the Passover. Because he was the fulfillment of it. 
all these things were pointing to Jesus Christ. I don't know how you call that in your language, if you have any Passover. We had something else in my village, but uh, it was to sacrifice to ancestors. Whether ancestors are there or not, but it's just to demons, the Bible says, really. But the Passover was to the Jewish people. Exodus 12, verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. So they eat inside that house. But the, the frame, the door, they had to apply first the blood. And then they are inside that house, they are eating the lamb. Exodus 12, verse 14. This day shall be a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. How can that be everlasting? How? Everything will be, we pass away, God will make a new heaven, a new earth. How can that physical ordinance become everlasting? Because the fulfillment of it is Jesus Christ. And in the eternity, he will show us that he was the fulfillment. We are in heaven because of him and we'll celebrate him eternally. Everlasting covenant. The Passover lamb was to be eaten in the houses which are themselves protected by the blood of the lamb. Now, the blood of the lamb on the door was the security at the entrance. It was the security. Imagine someone who was uh, poor. Let's imagine someone who was poor. Let's imagine someone who was living in a hut. H-U-T-T -T, double T or one T? Whatever it is. Okay. Hut. La case in French. Sometimes in refugee camp, people live in tents. There's no door. They have a very funny sort of curtain there. It didn't matter if that's what you, were, you had. You just apply the blood and destruction will not come. <laughs> so the material by which the door was made was irrelevant. <laughs> the blood was the security. <laughs> The material was irrelevant, whatever it was. I found quite a few of them here. Um, so, in other words, any material used in the building of any door became irrelevant. Iron doors, fortified wooden security doors, high security door, bullet resistant door, Chinese steel security door, etc. All irrelevant. Only the blood. I guess if you did not have a door, only the frame, 
That too was irrelevant. Only the blood was the security of the entrance. Nothing else. It doesn't matter whether you were rich or poor. Whether you had the most secured door. The most secured double, triple lock. Irrelevant. Only Now, one must enter by the Lord's door. That door became the Lord's door. The Lord became the strong security person there. He became your door. Regardless of the vulnerability of your door, the Lord was there to protect. He is the most secure door that you can find. In John chapter 10 verse 1 to 5, the Lord said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. We will come back to that in a minute. Because some make the way in the sheepfold by climbing the other way. There were some in Israel as well. Do you know how they were called? Mix. Multitude. Mixed multitude. Mixed crowd. They made the way amongst the Israelites. They will become a thorn in their flesh. They will become a snare. They will cause the people of Israel. Do you remember Numbers chapter 11 verse 4? Because of them, people complain against God and people say, we don't want this man. He's too boring. We want meat. The Bible says, because of the mixed multitude. Numbers 11 verse 4. Those who are claiming by the other way in the church and make their way up to become even ministers. To lead the church astray. And you wonder yourself. How come a minister can teach heresy? How can they continue in heresy? They don't have the nature of Christ. They claim the other way. Maybe the father was the pastor of the church. They've inherited the church. Maybe they found some uh, founders. Who have said you speak very well. You can do something. We can start a business. It brings money. Maybe they've studied theology, but never received Christ, and they've made their way up to become ministers. Mixed multitude. A thorn in the flesh of the body of Christ. You marvel. How come? How come? How? We are invaded. The body of Christ is invaded. 
by unsaved people who do not have the life of Christ in them. Remember Christ said in that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, I will say, out there, je ne vous connais pas, je ne vous ai jamais connu, I've never knew you. You who commit iniquity. He who named the name of the Lord, what's the seal? Let him depart from evil. That's the whole mark of Christ believers. They flee from evil. There is a difference between a swine, a pork, a pig, and a sheep. The pig enjoys mud and dirt. They don't have time to listen to the good shepherd. They listen to themselves. They don't have time. And so are goats. John chapter 10 and verse 2, we continue. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Hallmark of a genuine believer. They know the voice of the shepherd. They recognize the voice of the shepherd. They don't follow after every wind of doctrine. That's a new revelation. That's new. That's a new revelation. No. They follow faithfully the voice of the shepherd. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That's why I was telling you that the Passover lamb, that door was God himself protecting his people. And those who were eating the Passover lamb, they had to be inside the house of the Lord's the church of the living God. The true church of the living God. Not the physical building. It's made of those who have entered the sheepfold by the door. Christ. I'm standing at the door knocking. If anyone hears my voice and open, I will enter and dine with him. Those who have opened the heart, the door of the heart, Christ entered in it. Those have entered by the door. I am the door, says the master. If anyone enters by me, 
he will be saved. That's a big word. I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There's no other way. Oh, that's politically uh, correct or incorrect. I don't know which one I'm saying. But that's too narrow-minded. My American friend used to say, Gee, I love to be narrow-minded as long as I'm with Christ. The most narrow-minded statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the, God, to the Father except through me. What about that? Well, you can fabricate yourself. You can make up yourself. Wake up. I don't want to look at you. Knocking at the door. If anyone hears me, wake up. Please. I'm not looking at you. Wake up. The next time I will bring you a glass of water. I'm speaking enough, loud enough for someone to sleep. Prepare the service. Don't go to sleep at 3 a.m. because you're playing Nintendo or something. Sleep well and pray and come to the church. Only two hours. Please. So, still in Exodus 12, verse 12, verse 11 to 12. How to eat the Passover lamb with your belt fastened, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hands, and you are to eat, eat in haste, quickly. Well, you know that uh, the belt speaks of the truth of God. The shoes speaks of uh, the good tidings, the gospel. You can't serve God. You can't follow God outside of his words. His truth needs to be there with you. To maintain every other thing. I've been told that in the armor of the believer, uh, uh, the truth is the key element. Because the truth, the belt, will sustain the breastplate and everything. It holds everything together. Is the belt of the truth. Without the truth of God, we'll be deceived. Verses 37 to 38, still Exodus 12. The people of Israel traveled from Ramses to Sukkoth, some 600,000 men on foot, not counting children. Mm. And then what? A mixed crowd, a mixed multitude also went up with them. Mixed multitude. How did they end up finding their way among uh, the people of Israel? Henry Morris wrote about the mixed multitude. He says this. They consist of descendants of mixed marriage. Mixed marriages between the children of Israel and those from other nations. End quote. So, this mixed multitude amongst the people of God will always be a snare, a thorn in the flesh of the body of Christ. Nehemiah had to deal with this situation. All the Sambalat, the Tobiah, Tobiah, 
was an Ammonite, natural enemies of Israel. It makes things so difficult for Nehemiah and for the work of the Lord. But guess what? There was a priest, someone called Eliashib, who gave to Tobiah his residence inside the temple, but the place where they were keeping tithes and offerings. So this is a natural enemy of Israel, of the people of God. He's given a red carpet in the temple. They give him a permanent uh, dwelling, but a place of choice where they keep offerings and they keep a a, a tithe. It's called a storeroom. Storeroom. And he's living there. A pagan. Enemy of Israel. What damage do you think he will do? Somewhere, I think it's Nehemiah 13, I think it is. They go back to the law of Moses and they read. When they read a quarter of a day, you said, six hours of reading the Bible, the, the Word of God, not 90 minutes, six hours. After they read, oh, they found out that Moses had said, these people should never be part of the assembly. Oh, Nehemiah, obedient man. He takes the situation and does something about it. Deal out, cleanse the place. That's the hard work of cleansing the house of God. Put them out. But you, do you know what we do nowadays? You know, we need to be nice, you know. Jesus was kind. Don't be too harsh, you know. You're not a Jesus. You're a sinner too, you know. Don't, don't shout, you know. Be gentle. It's the house of God. That's to a, Jesus Christ whipped people. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Because they had changed his house into a den of thieves. Jesus. Fue. Imagine if you get a whip from the Lord. Must be painful on the body. You see, we've come up with our own systems and uh, to help God with our own understanding. The house of the Lord is to be called the house of prayer. It's not a playground. You can mess up in your own house, not in the house of God. The fear of the Lord must be upheld. He says, be holy as I am holy, God says. That's our ideal, his holiness. That's the whole point about the book of Leviticus. To teach his people, guess what? Including, including an intentional sin. That's how God is serious with sin. Oh, I just made a mistake. Pay for it. An intentional sin. Where to be judged as well. Knowing the terror of God. I'm, I'm knocking at your door. If someone hear my voice, wake up, please. I'm not looking at you. You'll be embarrassed. Because I can see you all. Some people are. 
You see, that only shows that we're not serious. That's all. We have not prepared the service properly. Prepare the service at home. Praise the Lord the day before. Go to sleep thinking about the service of the Lord. It's a special day for God. When you sleep, what's the point of being here? These things have been prepared for your edification. Sometimes they take a bit of time as well. For your sake. But don't worry, you're not alone. It happens already in the book of Acts. Someone fell and died. And guess what? When he rose up, he came back. The teaching continued. I'm sure at that time you won't sit at the window again. Praise the Lord. So where are we? Instructions for the Passover were given just before the tenth plague. Remember, we're talking about the blood. And in talking about the blood, we started from Genesis. That's where all starts. The skin. And then Leviticus 17, 11. And then the Passover lamb. And we continue. I'm reading for you an important verse. You have it in, somewhere in Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 10. Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 10. Cursed is he who does, does the work of the Lord deceitfully. And cursed is he who keeps back his sword from blood. Oh, does that mean we should be killing people? Cursed is the man who keeps his sword from the blood, from splashing the blood. Hmm. You see, the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, they go hand in hand. Curse is the man who stopped the sword of the spirit, that is the word of God, from causing people to be washed by the blood of Christ. You have to use the word of God obediently that's the only way people will come in contact of the blood of Christ to be saved. It's through the preaching of the word of God that they will understand what the blood means. Curse is he who holds back his sword from the blood. People are washed in the blood of the Lamb when they receive him as their personal Lord and Savior. No word of God, no blood, and no salvation. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission of sin. But the gospel must be preached. The blood must be 
offered, the blood that was shed once for all, must be given the opportunity given to people to receive Christ. The sword of the Spirit, the splashing of the blood of Christ on people's life. In John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed to, to, to us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. You see, by his blood, Christ has redeemed people out of every tribe, every people, every tongue every nation. Nobody is above anybody. If you think that your country is the most powerful in the world, you are a special person, you are above anyone else like uh, 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 Hitler who was self-deluded, you know, uh, uh, if you think like that, when it comes to salvation, everybody, everybody on the same ground. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter where, which family you're coming from. Royal family, poor family, whatever it is, doesn't make any difference. The blood of Christ. Only. Revelation 7 verse 14, and the elders said, these are the ones who have come out of the great suffering, they have washed their robes with the blood of the Lamb, and they are clean and white. That's Revelation chapter 7, verse 14. When the apostle asked the question, Sir, who are these? Who are these? An elder said to him, Oh, these ones? These are the ones who have washed their robes, in the blood of the Lamb, number one. Number two, and they have continued to whiten the robes in the blood of the Lamb. The robe speaks of life, new life. You see, that's the reason why the Lord made that tunic to atone for sin. Only by the blood of Christ we are received by God. Jesus Christ has become the righteousness of God to us and our righteousness before God. Because the Lord, when he looks at us, he looks at us through Jesus Christ. Jesus stands, and the Lord looks at us in Jesus Christ, and we are justified and received. Nobody could do that for you. Nobody. All the guru, great thinkers, whatever they want. Remember, uh, there was a great thinker in, 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 in France. It's called Voltaire. And um, he was so uh, bright, you know, uh, writing big essays. 
and uh, he began to despise the Bible, and he said, uh, give it another five decades, and it will disappear, the Bible, you know, uh, because uh, they were writing, you know, a lot of things, and many people were following them, etc. It's been said that w- when he died, his library became one of the first uh, Bible bookshop. And, and, and people were producing and printing Bible from his house. <clears throat> you do not mock God. Their lives were washed in the blood of the Lamb, and they became approved of God through the sole merit of the blood of Jesus Christ. In Revelation 12:11, deep breath. They overcome because of the blood of God. Ay, 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 ay. This is one of the most problematic verses in the Bible when it comes to the blood of Jesus nowadays. They overcame him. Who is him? The serpent of old that is called the devil and Satan by the blood of the lamb. The serpent of old speaks of the same who deceived Eve and drew Adam and Eve into sin and disobedience against God. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 there was a judgment the Lord said, because you've done that, talking to the serpent, the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and the woman's seed. You will bruise her heel, and the seed of the woman will crush, bruise your head, crush. The head of the devil speaks of death. Christ conquered death. And inside the strength of death is sin. And Christ takes away the sin. And those who are in him, though they may die, will live forever. That is the descendants of the woman crushing the head. And because of the blood of the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, his followers overcome, overcame the devil. Because of the sole merit of his blood. The problem in this world is sin. The problem is not poverty. The problem is sin. And Christ came to take away the sin of this world. So the primary function of the blood of Jesus Christ is to remove sin. Oh. Now you find places where people no longer teach against sin. 
No longer teach the God righteousness, but everybody, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Nobody speaks about sin. The blood of Jesus become a mantra, a talisman, a fetish now. Almost blasphemous. Almost. Nobody cares about righteousness anymore. Nobody cares about fighting sin anymore. Everybody just take the blood of Jesus, whether they take in a thermos, wherever it is. So do we find someone who was in his living room and people were going to pray for him because he was very, very ill and they entered the living room and, 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 and the person was doing like this. They say, oh, are you okay? What are you doing? I say, I'm drinking the blood of Jesus. Where is it? Where's the blood of Jesus? You see, those things seem to be great, yeah? They make you feel good, yeah? I'm drinking the blood of Jesus. Yeah, they seem good, but they're unbiblical. Where is it? Where is it? The blood was shed once for all. Unique, historical, with eternal significance. And avail. The blood is not stored somewhere when you take in a dans un bidon, in a can or something and you go with it, the blood that heretical I'm sorry to tell you that openly if that's what you believe with all due respect it is heretical we are called to pray for the sick people in the name of Jesus and he will heal them Full stop. Now, he makes nice people like that, you know. See people gathering together, and now everybody's praying to the blood. Now, the blood. We pray to the blood. We pray to the blood to cover us. To we pray for the blood. We pray for etc. You are covered because you are inside Christ. You enter the door. He's already covering that door. You are in him. You fight inside him. You cast out demons inside him. Oh. That's hard. But it's true. Back to Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It is true that the martyrs of the great tribulation will pay for their obedience to the Lord by being killed. Because the believers under the great tribulation will be killed for refusing to recant their faith in Jesus Christ, because they will be killed, there has been another Subtle heresy that said they will be saved by their own blood. Because they are killed for not denying Christ, people conclude wrongly that they will pay for salvation by their own blood. So Revelation 12 11 is a reminder that that victory they will be having is based on the blood of the Lamb. Even if they die, as sad as that will be, 
but the salvation is only by the blood of the Lamb. Each house had their own Passover lamb in Exodus 12. Animal sacrifices were to be repeated in the book of Leviticus. When it comes to our dear beloved Redeemer, Jesus Christ, he only died once and shed his blood once for all on the cross with his own blood. He entered the most high place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews 9.12. Notice, I'm reading that again, Hebrews 9.12. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He offered himself a lamb without spot to God, and that sacrifice was never to be repeated. Once for all. Second reading then. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're reading from verse 10 to, 11 to 14. Hebrews 10, 11 to 14. And every priest ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, with capital M, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Once for all. Not to be repeated. Can I just say that the blood of Jesus Christ was not offered to the devil. Should I say that again? The blood of Jesus Christ was not offered to the devil. He was offered to God who was offended. By one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, we're talking about the blood. In Roman Catholicism, the unbiblical concept of something called transubstantiation is allegedly the change by which the substance of the bread and the wine in the Eucharist becomes Christ's real presence. That is, they say, becomes the real body and blood of Jesus Christ. Well, there was a pastor who was preaching somewhere in Africa and uh, start talking about these things and struggle a little bit to pronounce the word transubstantiation. He tried about ten times from the pulpit. When he could, he said, the word is too demonic that I can't even pronounce it. This doctrine of transubstantiation was first called transubstantiation in the 12th century. 
it was elaborated by scholastic theologians from the third from the 13th to the 15th century. And it was incorporated into the document of the Council of Trent between 1545 to 63. And in the mid-20th century, some Roman Catholic theologians restated the doctrine of Christ's Eucharist present. So they revived it in the 20th century. Mm. Shifting the emphasis, the emphasis from the change of substance to a change of meaning. Very, very, very subtle. Uh, in French, we say volte face. You know, you change something very quickly, but subtly. You know, oh no, it's not really the change of the substance that is uh, the most important thing. It's the meaning of the Eucharist. Okay, then what? Then they came up with two new words. Let's try to pronounce them. First, transignification. Second, transfinalization. Finalization. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, you see, they're very hard. Maybe that pastor was right. And people are so confused. But because it comes from scholasticism, for people who are meant to be sound and sharp minds, people say, it must be true. You have the Bible, someone come with this word here, and put to you, say, it must be true. If they say that, it must be true. And they say, why don't we use these two words instead of transubstantiation? And then it created a bit of confusion. The Roman Catholic Church created. And then, in 1965, comes the, the Pope Paul VI and say, now, go back to our first love. Transubstantiation. The matter is closed. And everybody go back. Transubstantiation. And everybody believed that when the priest lived that big Eucharist, Christ, the priest who is doing it, has the power to transform that into the real body and blood of Christ. It's called unbloody sacrifice. You begin to understand the heresy of those who drink the blood of Jesus. Can you begin to see? It's an unbloody drink. Apostle John said, little children, keep away from idol, idolatry. Let's be careful. In the Bible, the Lord institutes the table of remembrance, the Holy Supper, only as a memorial to remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed for us on the cross. We partake to the Lord's table to remember what he did for us. But it is also a proclamation, a confession, an affirmation of that historical and unique event. It is also an expression of our blessed hope of his triumphant return. Believers will continue to remember the Lord 
until he returns. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He doesn't change into that. He doesn't. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, we read about the Lord's table. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. Not replication. Remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Okay. That was Roman Catholicism. Now, the revival and unstoppable new churches. People are encouraged to drink imaginary blood for their healing. This seems to be another version of the Roman Catholic doctrine of unbloody sacrifice. This practice is more prevalent in Africa because of our tradition and practice of animal tradition in the ancestor worship. It sounds great, it's nice, because that's what we do in our tradition. When someone is sick, you need blood to offer to ancestors, to seek favors from the disease, etc. So when we come to Christ, it makes more sense. In fact, just like with the Roman, with the Catholic priest, some people are believed in our villages to hold special powers to be able to call on the diseased people to bring favor to the living or to defeat negative powers. As many people today claim to be born again, many of those witch doctors have also infiltrated the church to maintain people into bondage with those practices. Do you understand what I'm saying? Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. He seems nice, but he's heretical. That's hard. Remember, I'm an African. In that context, what they call the blood of Jesus is just another obscure practice that reminds of the, that ancestor worship. Nowhere in the Bible we are commanded to drink the physical blood of Jesus in order to get healed. And where is that blood anywhere? anyway? In fact, we are commanded to heal the sick people and to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. We are commanded to confess our sin and to ask God forgiveness on the sole merit of the blood of Jesus that was shed once for all. I had seen someone. We can skip this one. Okay. One day I traveled in SoftBank, around SoftBank University, and the man gets into the bus. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, rush hour. The bus is packed with people. It's very hot inside, and the man 
He's looking at everybody threateningly because people are looking at him like a mad person. Why? Because he keeps on repeating the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of throughout the whole journey. People are annoyed and people are looking at him. He's very angry with everybody. That looks more like a mantra. Then repetition. What does that bring? What is that? And you see people doing that. People gathered together. We gathered for prayer meeting. The blood of Jesus, the blood of the one who said it the most is the winner. Keep yourself from idolatry. Do not Christianize pagan things. You, know. you see, these things have an appearance of godliness, isn't it? Yeah? I don't want to talk about the Christmas, the Easter. I don't want to go that way. But it's all part of the Christianization of pagan things, you know, to bring them in the church by the back door. And we have to keep away from those things. Many pagan practices and festivals are being Christianized to seduce the believers. We, are ne- we need to remain spiritually alert and discerning because the days are ever darker. Do not give Christian names to seducing and demonic practice. Do not have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Ephesians 5.11 What shall we do then? Therefore, 1 Peter 3.13 Conclusion Gird up the loins of your minds. Be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Let's stand up and close the service together, please, if you will.